Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. Today's podcast is one of great interest to me as well as our guests. It's that on church revitalization and churches without pastors. So let me introduce our guests, Marty and Pam. Introduce yourself to our audience. I'm Marty Macedo and I've been in the ministry for 45 years. And back in 2005, got the burden to help churches without pastors. And your name of the ministry? Uh, Fellow Helpers Ministries. Fellow Helpers Ministry. And your wife, Pam? I'm Pam Macedo, and I've been married to this man for 50 years, <laughs> and been a pastor's wife ever since he's been a pastor. <laughs> and this is a, you're a great team. Yeah. And so that. the topic of, of the two of you working together, because I wanted Pam's input on how this also affected you know, the women in the church, is again, churches without pastors. And you went into a situation, and we have your permission to use the yes. name of the, the city and everything. So you went into a church in Florida that was without a pastor. Yes, sir. And we know from uh, Numbers 27, verse 17, that as Moses was exiting, his prayer was that his congregation may not be like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. And in fact, also Matthew 9, when Christ said, the fields are white unto harvest, he said, send forth workers, why? That they may not be like sheep without a shepherd. So Marty, the situation you found was this church was without a pastor. Yes. Is that correct? They're without an under-shepherd. All right, so they called you, and you and Pam uh, went down. Did you visit the church first? What was? Tell me your first interaction and your first thoughts okay. of the church. I had finished work on the Gulf after Katrina, rebuilding a church. You're, so you were helping a church in the Gulf mm-hmm. of Mexico. Yes. That's done. Yes. All right, and, so uh, now. We weren't sure what to do, and Jeff A. had recommended me for victory. Okay. Um, the church had contacted Jeff A. for an interim. Nobody okay. was available at that time, and they recommended me knowing what I was doing. And uh, we went there in March of 2008 to do pulpit supply, and it happened to be Easter Sunday that we were there. And so your first Sunday there was Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday. Yes. And to be honest with you, and I don't think the folks down there would mind my saying this at all, when we met with the deacons and the pastoral staff on Saturday for dinner, we thought this church is probably going to close. Mm. 80,000 square feet of deteriorating buildings. Wow. The school was down to just over 100. Okay. Um, the church had up to 500, and it was down to 100 or less. So from 500 to 100. Yeah. It had just... Deteriorated. Everything had just fallen down. And so the church itself, the building? Yes. And the spirits. We saw the spirits in the leadership. It was really tough. Okay. So what happened was uh, when we went back to the hotel after dinner on Saturday, Pam and I looked and we said, there's not a lot of hope here for this church, really. But when we went to church on Sunday morning and went to Sunday school with the wallpaper falling off the walls and the carpet all stained and the chairs a mess, I mean, it was just depressing. So we go in the auditorium, you could hear a peep. There wasn't mm. a sound in the auditorium. And sat down, and then my wife said to me... Um, we looked at each other, and the people sitting there looking at us, not, not getting up and greeting us or anything, and we looked at each other and said, well, I guess we just need to go to them and say hello. 
They knew you were the guest yeah, speaker, right? Totally. But no, they were not coming to greet you. The spirit no. was just dead. Okay. So scattered. they were that discouraged, is yeah. what you're yes. saying. And, and they were scattered all over the large, all over this large auditorium. Uh, auditorium in little tiny groups of two or three. Wow. So we get up, and, and I still remember, we went to this one couple and went to shake their hands and said, hi, we're the Macedos. We're here to speak today. Who are you? And they told us, and, and we said, how long have you been in the church? And their mouth literally dropped open. I mean, just literally dropped open mm. and they just stared at us. And we kept asking questions and they answered them and it was like, these people care. Oh. And I told Pam, we got we got out of the service and I said, this church isn't dead, it's just hurting. Wow. I said, there are embers here that can be flame, brought into a flame. And we were just excited. The people responded and uh, we So let me took, ask you a question. Yeah. So you've done several interims yes. with churches. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty typical that people are hurting and they need hope, or was this simply a unique situation? It's pretty much typical, okay. although it was different. Like after Katrina, that was more of a material damage, right. and then the church was down to about six people. The right. church had 15 feet of water, so mm. it was a little different. That's a totally separate. It's totally yeah. separate. Okay. Um, the churches like this, this one was unique because it had been so big. I mean, their facilities are beautiful. Two school buildings that are mm. two stories, solid brick, I mean, beautiful. Mm buildings, the church, large auditorium with a balcony. But only 100 people. Yes, okay. yes. So let's walk through. So that first Sunday, you and Pam realize, okay, these people need encouragement. Encouragement, right. Yes. All right, so what was the next step? Well, also we noticed, as he, he said, the bathrooms were like third world bathrooms. Oh, the nursery was awful. Um, I had heard stories about it. And then when I finally saw it, they had little well, balls for the children that were deflated wow. and toys that were sticky. So the and but there's a reason for that. Okay. I don't want to be too hard on the church or the previous pastor, because yeah. the reason was they had 40 acres of property up on Route 95 mm. at the north end of town. A different location mm -hmm. from where they were now. And their plan was to build on that 40 acres. Okay. Well, during the transition of getting that 40 acres and other things that took place and whatever, they didn't want to put money in the existing facility. Okay. And then everything kind of went south. Yeah. And they never were able to even dream like of getting on that south, property. going south, you mean the pastor left? Yeah. And, and a lot of things. People were leaving yeah. and the yeah. income was bad and the school was decreasing. So the facilities were in bad condition mainly because they were hoping to build on the other property but that never materialized. All right, so facilities in bad shape, but you're giving the people hope. Yeah. What was just a couple of the first things you did? Well, one what of the first was... things we did, um, it was March that I went there for Easter, and then mm -hmm. they actually brought me in, in April then, to candidate as interim, okay. with the idea it would be for two months to help them with the transition. They had a man in mind to pastor the church. The problem was there were so many major issues mm -hmm. that no one wanted to take the church. The man they thought would come when he found out all that needed to be done said, I can't do that. I don't want to come to a church and have to close it. I can't do that. Right. And Marsh, if I can just give praise to the Lord, I'm talking about issues like the attendance down so far, the buildings in bad condition, too many staff. You know, it's hard when you have a Reduction of. Wait, wait, back up. Man. Yeah. So when you say attendance down, you're talking like, yeah. I think you told me from 500 to 100. 100. I, I it, wanted to paint the picture here for our listeners. There were four or five on pastoral staff, though. Still? Yes. When you got there? Yes. Okay. 
and they were great guys. A couple yeah. of them were just super, super guys. Mm-hmm. But, but again, it was just too heavy. And then the school, the same thing. You mm-hmm. know, they had added staff in the school, but lost students. So that was a problem. The first year, the deficit was one hundred fifty thousand dollars in the school. With just no in the school. Yeah, just okay. in the school. They had the forty acres of land. Florida had changed the law, and they were now taxing vacant land the churches owned. Okay. Their tax bill was $83,000 the first wow. year, 63 the second, 33 the third. We kept working to get it reduced. Finally got it down to 163 okay. uh, through Greenbelt, but it took time, and all that money was just being siphoned out of the work. Right. Very hard. And then we had a lien on the property where a surveyor had done some work for a developer. Developer never paid, so they put a $40,000 lien in the property. On um, the 40 acres? Yeah, uh, no, on, no the on, actual, the church. on the actual buildings we were using. Uh, and, and it just went on and on and on. And uh, So obviously no pastor wanted to come. No, and we said, okay, the answer is we'll sell the 40 acres of land. Okay, yes. but wait a minute. But you came as the interim. You yes, and, sir. You and Pam came. Yes. Mm-hmm. They voted you in. Yes. And you thought it was going to be two months. Now, just go and tell our listeners for the sake of the end of the story, you stayed... Seven and a half years. Okay, so yeah. now, so where I want to pick it up is at the two months mark. Right. Okay, well, when you get there, when y'all get settled in, I just want to walk through the revitalization process. Yes. And what y'all saw God do and how you saw God work really to restore a church. You asked, and I did digress there for a moment, but you asked about a big factor. In October of 2008, I came in, you know, the spring, this was the fall, and we saw some things moving in the right direction, although the challenges, like I just recited, mm-hmm. were just so great. But we decided, and I, I told the men, I said, we need a facelift. I said, this is hard to get people in, it, the buildings were just bad. Yeah. And I said, whether we run out of money December 31st or December 1st, doesn't matter. You have to distribute all your assets anyway. It's a 501c3. If yeah. they close, yes. they have to give the money to another 501c3. Yes, exactly. Okay. So I just wanted, in case our listeners didn't understand that. So with that in mind, what was your recommendation? I said, I think we need to take $15,000 and remodel the bathrooms and the back foyer. And the deacon said, great. And we presented it to the church at the business meeting and got an ovation. The people clapped and cheered. And I said, we did this on the golf. The people rebuilt. We rolled up our sleeves and got it done. We can do it here. And they responded. And it was like a turning point now. The bathrooms got remodeled. The foyer area got remodeled. And people were getting involved. And the spirits just started to lift. All right. So the first thing you did physically to get them hooked was remodel the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right, and at the same time, of course, you got several parallel tracks. We got yes. the preaching, the teaching. Absolutely. Okay, so, Marty, what were you preaching on or what were you teaching on during these first months and first years? Because from year one to year seven and a half. Yes. All right, that's longer than normal interim or pastored yes. in transition, but this was not a normal situation. Yeah. Correct. All right, so... Give us some things God did or or some things that you thought spiritually encouraged the people as well. Well, one thing that was a real plus was my wife could not be with me initially because she was taking care of her mother in our home. So I was in a motor home from one of the members right next to the church. I would go down 10 days, go down on Saturday, speak two Sundays, come back four days, go down 10, come back four. While I was there for those 10 days, I was totally theirs. Mm. I was totally theirs, whether it be the con- 
instruction, whether it be the visitation. Two assistants I had at that time were Gary Wheeler, Mike Bennett. They were excellent. I mean, my time was free to visit people. I was free mm -hmm. to prepare messages. I preached through books of the Bible. Um, one of my favorites that I start with is First Thessalonians. Okay. I believe that's the book written, The Second Coming Servants, mm -hmm. and it just talks about mm -hmm. how you live for Christ waiting for His coming. And I was positive. I, I did say this, and I believe it with all my heart. I met with him initially and I said, we can try to rectify all the wrongs of the past and stay in the slew of despond forever, or we can start fresh. Amen. And I said, we can't rectify all the wrongs, so right. let's just start from here. And they accepted yeah. that, Marsh. So I think that parallels Titus, because in yes. chapter one, again, Titus, stay in mm -hmm. Crete, set in order what remains. So yes. you're, you and Pam figuring out what was remaining. Yes. You calmed the church and corrected the church. Mm -hmm. All right, that's in. So Great I think changes. this is exactly following the pattern of what Titus did there in Titus chapter 1. All right, now, along the way, you mentioned something to me, and I just want to figure out how it worked in. You mentioned the word prayer revival. Yes, sir. Okay, so one of the spiritual things, exercises, or ministries you emphasize mm -hmm. here was prayer. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little about that, and Pam, then if you can comment on that as well, that would be good. In May of 2009, we did that remodel to end out the year 2008. We went through the rest of 2009. Remember, we had $150,000 deficit staring at us and no money to pay it. We ended up ending that year with $15,000. And the reason for that is we had to adjust staff. Right. And if I can stop for just a second there, that was not easy. I mean, when you tell people we don't have a place for you and they've been there or they have family there, but there was one man, his name was Rick, and he came to me and he displayed what I think was a fantastic attitude. He came to me and what said... Is Rick a pastor, a, a Rick deacon, was in the business office. Rick was in the business okay, office. Okay, so he was on staff. Yep, okay. member of the church, office staff. He came to me and he said, when we saw these difficulties and this deficit, he came to my office and said, Pastor, I'm last man in the business office. I need to be first man out. You can't mm -hmm. afford me anymore. And I just looked at him and I thought, he's right, but how could I just tell him that without making an enemy? He discerned that and came to me. And we recognized then as we were approaching, this isn't a personal decision. We like you. Right. We love you. Mm -hmm. But we have X amount of students who have X amount of dollars to work with. And that was the spirit then that started changing things. Did, did you see that spirit flow over to other people mm -hmm. when this man? Yes. The okay. People began, not 100%, but people began to understand we're doing this because we have to. We have to. Something's got to give. Something's got to right. change. If we don't do it, we won't have a ministry. Right, Pam, what change did you notice in the people during this time? Or I know you may not have been there as right. much because they hear your year, mom. Yeah. Well, I met them initially and initially just made that good contact. And then because I was caring for my mom, I was only able to come. He lived in a little tiny motorhome. Motor home. Motor, yeah. So I would come and bring all my things and and his bachelor pad. But um, but through that time, every time I would come and visit, I would become closer with the ladies. Okay. 
And Did you find um, the ladies receptive to you? They were. Absolutely. They were very receptive. This very goes sweet. back to you giving them hope. I think so. Just yeah. just loving them and treating them nice, you know, mm. and listening to them instead of telling them about me. I listened yeah. to what they had to say mm-hmm. and they tried were to be encouraging. They yeah. were hurting. And yeah. we were totally theirs. Yeah. You know, we were theirs. Our family wasn't there. And All right, now let me ask you a question. Were they supporting you financially? Yes. They, okay. as an interim, they did that. Okay. And then what happened is in 2009, we're getting ready to close out the school year. Mm-hmm. And I said, we need to have a prayer revival. And they said, what's that? And I said, I don't really know. But we've got some <laughs> big things we need to pray for. So we went ahead from, I think it was May 4th to 8th, like a whole week. Okay. We set aside for prayer revival. So every night we met at 7 o'clock. I've got at outline. the church. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if anyone's interested, I have an outline in the booklet we use. And we prayed through everything, 20-minute increments. Mm. And I would introduce it. We would then switch groups and switch groups. We paid mm. for the whole week. On Wednesday, we started prayer at 7 a.m., 15-minute increments all through the day to 7 p.m. And Marsha, I can't tell you mm. the things that happened. We ended the school year with $15,000. We had a $150,000 deficit. Our lean of $40,000 was removed. Wow. The survey company tried to get it from the developer, couldn't. When they came to us, it was too late. Yeah. It was removed. The million-dollar lawsuit pending on the sale of the property, they signed a rescission agreement, which meant they walked their way, we walked our way. There was no, no lawsuit would be filed. And the taxes from 83000 to $168 a year. We just saw so many answers that week of prayer revival the very next year, yeah. we ended in 2009. So the 2009-2010 school year, yeah. balanced budget in the school. Wow. So the people now, really, they're getting hope. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're seeing God work on their behalf. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you and Pam were there as the pastors during the transition there. Correct. There's a couple of you there. And so what was the next step? So they're gaining hope. Go ahead, Pam. I was just going to say, my mother passed away during the early period of our being there. And so I moved down to live with my husband in that little motor home. <laughs> and we lived there for how many? Mm, a few months. A yeah. few months. And eventually the people provided for a home for mm-hmm. us to be able to live in. So that was a, a major... So now you're there as Now well. I'm there Which full time. Okay. okay, so we're now at about year two. Yeah, that- in that fall of 2009, I believe it was that fall... I can't remember exactly, Marsh, but it was about a year, year and a half into the interim. Things were really moving forward, and the people Mm -hmm. were so receptive that we decided to drop the term interim, so they actually called me to be the pastor. We had a lot of people coming who said, but he's only the interim. And so we said... So they needed a commitment. They needed a commitment, and we needed to make a commitment. So we did, and then uh, we moved there. They fixed up one of the parsonages, and we moved there. And again, we we were just theirs. I mean, right. we were totally available. Pam started the soup kitchen for all the single teachers one Thursday a month. And then when they needed something, they could call and we'd be available. So Hospital Pam became like a mom and a sister. Yeah. And again, that's Titus 2. So now we're talking about Titus 1. Now we're into Titus 2. Yes. Where I'm not calling you an older woman. <laughs> yes. But a mature woman ministering to the others yes. and men ministering to each other. Good outline. We right. had so, a lot of single young people in the church. Yeah. Um, a lot were teachers, and they were away from their parents mm-hmm. and homes. So this provided them one 
one time, um, was it a month or wait? I, a month, a month, I think. Um, where the, we would all come together yeah. and they would sit at a table and we would have a family meal. And it was encouraging to them. And so, right, so uh, once you minister to the ones within. Yes. All right, tell me what happened now to the community. As the relationships were renewed mm-hmm. within yes. the church and they're settled and they got hope, and you're loving them, they're loving you, they're seeing God work on their behalf. Yes. Okay. We're just in about year two now. Yes. All right, so what were some major mountaintop moments, you know, how God transformed the church? A couple of things I think of in that regard are, the church put me on a budget. We had a budget, and we were running mm-hmm. tight. But one of the things we did that I had never done before in pastoring was they had a area in the budget for me to take people out to eat Mm -hmm. and so anyone knew usually the second week they were there we'd given them a call and said hey next Sunday would you come out and eat with us Mm. I don't know if this is the way for everyone but it seemed like people were hesitant to have us in their home but they were very willing to go out to eat with us and talk around a table and we started doing that and a lot of the new families started to come and doing that Mm. helped us become entwined with them that was a big, big step forward. Yeah. So these are families from outside the church. Yes. Visiting the church. Yes. And then this is what you were doing. We gave them total time. It was like, yeah. you are the most important person to us right now. And many of them were people coming from hurting churches or backgrounds mm-hmm. looking for somewhere they could be involved and yeah. feel a part. Or and moving into the area. Moving into the area yeah. is a that big one. A- so as we go through this now, so we got setting the church in order that's happening yes. financially. You had lawsuits, all that's being taken care of. You're developing the relationships within the church, and now you're seeing the result of that is you're starting to impact the community, people coming into the church. What were some of the other key things? One of the key things we did was the church had a big front on it, a big white front on it. Okay, was this seen from the highway? Yeah, right along Lem Turner. It's just a big, big front. We put up a new church sign or whatever, but on the front of the church, (laughs) we put up a banner this was after I became pastor, and the banner said, Victory Baptist Church, alive and well, John uh-huh. chapter one, okay. come and see Pastor Martin Macedo. Okay. Well, the neat thing was being a church that had been there so long and had problems in the past and had kind of some negative reputation, that kind of lifted that off. Mm. It was like, hey, there's something new happening here now. Things are better. And a lot of people visited because of that, realized the changes have been made and became a part of the ministry. There was something else that happened too. We started having backyard Bible clubs Mm -hmm. in the summer. Yep. And uh, that resulted in making contacts and then started to patch the pirate club on Wednesdays and the folks had a real burden for they that yeah. and started Patch the Pirate. Now today it's just grown out of the large room that mm-hmm. they had. Mike Bennett came to me the first year or so I was there and he said, we have an Advocation Bible School, I think we should have one. Mm-hmm. I said, okay Mike, and he had one, I think there were five in it, three of them were his children. <laughs> and it was like, okay, but you know what, that took off yeah. and now they have Vacation Bible School, I think they had 120 or 30 this year at Vacation Bible School, showing people we cared about their children. And And reaching out. Yeah, you love the children, you Mm -hmm. know that they will, yeah. So that's Titus 3, okay, then you start reaching the communities. All right, let's fast forward. Okay. So what did you and Pam do to prepare the church 
you only came there as an interim. Now you're yes. you're the pastor, okay? Which that's great because this is really a rescue. It is. Is that fair? Yes. All right. So, so just in closing, kind of what did y'all do to prepare the church for your leaving and the next under shepherd coming in? I had health issues with my Agent Orange issues. Okay. I had bad. So you served in Vietnam. Bypass. Yes, I had bypass okay. surgery there, and then also got to the point where I was going to have to have a defibrillator inserted. So this was in February 2015. 15, okay. So in February 2015, the health was deteriorating, and I said, I really can't keep up with things, and it's not Mm -hmm. fair. Mm -hmm. So I actually resigned from full-time pastoring and said, I'll be off a week a month, and you need to put together your pulpit committee and start finding a pastor. This was February 1st, 2015. So we did that, although they wouldn't let me take the week off. They wouldn't cut my pay. They were so sweet. And we waited, but then finally in October, it was like, I got to get a defibrillator. We've got to stop this. I retired in October. They didn't want you to go. That's the bottom line. No, they they were so sweet and supportive. It was incredible. But at that time, the Lord had brought a bivocational assistant pastor, Matt Hollis. And he did a phenomenal job holding up my arms and he ended up becoming the interim after I left. Yeah. That helped prepare the church because we put the pulpit committee together in February of 15. I redid the constitution with the updates and changes we needed. We got okay. that approved. We got all the questioning ready for a candidate. All those things we got lined up before October. Mm. But the people and- lovingly kind of drug their feet until we actually were gone. Oh, yeah, 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 you got to push (laughs) them along. And Matt also would, that one week he had off, would speak. Yes, he'd speak. And so then they started to, um, he would speak in the evenings more regularly. Yes, weaned away from it. Because of health-wise, I said, you know what, I'll do mornings, can Matt do evenings? And then we worked that out. And so it weaned me away and got them ready for someone else. All right, so if someone's listening and right now yes. their church is without a pastor. Yes. They're probably discouraged. Is would that be fair to say? Yes. Okay, absolutely. So if they're listening, don't think they're the only ones who've ever been through this. Right. Mm-hmm. You and I and we're enthusiasts on interim or pastors in transition absolutely. and you've done it. We've got men at GFA that do it. This is one of GFA's ministries. We support in great ways to help churches in transition with interim men. And they're white, so again, you got the the women component as well. All right, so give them hope. They're discouraged, but it's not hopeless. No. I I heard you say that throughout. Mm -hmm. Find a man and his wife that can come in to provide stability. Now, that Mm -hmm. season, you know, we find can be anywhere from six months to a year, but in this case, you were there seven years. Yes. And I did not, if I can use this expression properly, I did not agenda preach. And okay. I did not issue preach. I felt all that would come up as we preached through the Word of God. Right. And so every service, even the Wednesdays, I made sure that there was a good expository, fresh message that people wanted to hear, needed to hear. And I think that helped because sometimes when you have problems in your preaching, you can actually fuel the fire of that problem. Yeah. Rather than, you know what, let's just be positive and point them in the right direction and encourage them in that direction, which we did. Um, to back up to when we first came, there was an assistant pastor and his wife. Yeah. And that assistant pastor recognized his ministry as a second man. Perfect. And he had been there for many years, 20 some years. 
And when we came, he supported us 100%. He encouraged us. He spoke well of us. My husband spoke well of him. There was no jealousy. There was nothing negative in the relationship there. And that that was a big major key We used to joke about that. You know, two men in a truck, the moving company? We said two old men in a church. (laughs) (laughs) And then it was two old sick men in a church. But I think, from what you said, though, the very first Sunday when you went and engaged the people and gave them hope, the people saw that. We mm-hmm. loved them. They yeah. were wonderful. And, and the associate pastor saw this. Yes. So obviously he knew you were there to encourage. Yes. We tried to okay. model our ministry without intentionally doing it after Timothy, where Paul says, I have no man like-minded that will naturally care for your state. Mm-hmm. And we were there just caring for them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't our community. It wasn't our home. It wasn't even going to be our future. But we were there to help them at that time. One more thing I want to emphasize here. So in the very beginning, when all the problems were before them, you call them to pray. Yes. Okay. So it's a church right now is without a pastor. Yes. And they're facing a lot of problems financially. Maybe people leaving the church or whatever the problems they're facing. Don't you think prayer is where it must start? Absolutely. And you saw that bring the church together. And the way you did it, you all broke up and prayed together. And then we yes. shift the groups each Wednesday night. And you did that. No, you did that for a week. Is that right? Well, the prayer revival, but we made yeah. our prayer meetings really prayer. Can I say this too, Marsh? One reason we joined along with GFA right now, because we love what you're doing with the interim program, which I don't think people understand completely yet, but a lot of the churches without pastors, they need that interim. Yes. A good man is not going to take a church that's got problems because he knows he's going to make enemies right mm-hmm. away. An interim can go in with their experience, no personal investment, help them through those problems and get them ready for the next pastor. Right, That's so what me, we did. At yeah, and let me piggyback on that. For those yeah. that are not aware of the interim program, so the interim pastors with GFA and the other men I know are seasoned pastors yes. and their wives. They've pastored for many years. So now they're shifting away from one church full time mm-hmm. to going and helping churches during transition. That's so right. these are experienced men with their wives that have ministered in churches for many, many, many years yes. and have seen a lot of different problems mm-hmm. and know how to handle it. So these are not novices. Correct. So an interim pastor, these men are seasoned and have enough gray hair and yes. spiritual scars to have the wisdom on how to handle problems like right. this. Okay. And you're facilitating, Marsh, getting the churches in line with the men who can help in that way is a real blessing. Yeah. So we got here, churches in transition, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean they cannot move forward for the Lord. It Correct. doesn't mean they got to go and park or even in neutral, you know, but you can move them along and regain hope, biblical hope. Mm-hmm through seeing God work on their behalf. Is that a good way to summarize it? Yes. Okay, last words, Marty and Pam, and then we'll wrap it up. As far as the women, my view on that is there were women that had ministries in the church. And it wasn't my part to go in and tell them how to be different or what to do or anything, but my job to support them Mm. because it was their church and they needed to work and have a responsibility and own their ministries. So I didn't go in with agendas. I went in just you to support. You went to encourage, support, mm-hmm. support. Yeah. And then yes. we hear that over, over and, and over. over. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is a ministry of helps, support, right. and encouragement. So I spoke when they asked me to speak. Right. I taught when they asked me to teach. 
I substituted in the school when they asked me to substitute and when they came to my house and some of the young teachers would say, yeah. I need something to talk to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I'd listen, listen to them yeah. and pray with them. Yeah. But um, that was that was the bulk yeah. of my ministry and I kept pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, Titus too, older women, yes. healthy yeah. young women. And, and for me, it was just such a thrill. All the dynamics work together. And that is people say to us, they say, Marty, what a great job you did at Victory. And I have to be honest, I'm not saying this falsely. Mm-hmm. I just did what a pastor does. God did it. I can't get rid of a million-dollar lawsuit. I can't get rid of a $40,000 lien. I can't lower taxes $168. But when we're being faithful and saying, Lord, this is your work. We want to keep it going. We want to honor your word, share the message of salvation. It's amazing what the Lord can do. And the interim many times can do that. Again, because the type of interims you use at GFA are on-site. They're not pulpit supply. They're there to help the people. I'm here to help you. Let's get you ready for a new pastor and move on. So let's do this. If you are maybe a pastor nearing the end of full time um, in yes. the energy, so please call us. If you're a church without a pastor, we'd love to help you. Now, I need you, Marty, give out your personal email because you've got maybe this prayer revival guide yes. you did. Spell out your email so okay. everybody can get it. It's it's a Masito Villa, and it's M A S I T T O. V is in village, I-L-L-A, at yahoo.com. All right. Masito Villa at yahoo.com. One S, two Ts. Correct. Or you can contact me, mfant at gfamissions.org. Glad to help anyway. Love to help you. Marty and Pam would love to help you any way we can. Because again, churches in transition. You gave this church hope, but you saw God work. Yes. And I'm so thankful. So Marty and Pam, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're listening to ReChurch a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org consulting.